0: Start. Sooners of Oklahoma. And and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself Barry personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? Doing well, brother. I'm blessed. Good to see you. Uh, draft's going on right now. I'm trying to see how my
1: 49ers do. We need to, we need to, we need to solidify a few things. We uh, set a precedent with a kicker in the third round, but salute to some of the Sooners. Some of them Sooners got themselves paid. I'm proud of them boys. Uh, I'm good. I'm good, B.
0: Three players so far. Anton Harrison goes pick number 27. Only first rounder, but Bill Bedenboe able to get the uh, first round monkey off his back. It's been a while, man, since he's had a guy go go that high. So good stuff for Biedenbeau. Uh Anton Harrison goes number 27. Marvin Mims, the next player off the board, goes late in the second round to the Denver Broncos. Going to be interesting seeing what he does up there with the the offense and how much how many more years does Russell Wilson have on that deal?
1: Ah man, he just signed. I mean, I mean, listen, quarterbacks generally get three years. Yeah, three. Okay. However many years it's structured, he's got three years of guarantees generally. So year one is in the books. He's got this season and probably can get cut next season because you can kind of wash out you know the dead cap money with uh, a signing bonus on a new quarterback. So this year is probably a make or break year for him.
0: Hmm. Interesting. And then Wanye Morris goes round three, 92nd overall to the Kansas city chiefs. I've seen a lot of, uh, talk about that pick. A lot of people view it as a project pick. Um, maybe not fully NFL ready is Wanye. Well, what do you think about that pick real quick?
1: Yeah. You know, I was actually watching and listening to what they had to say and flat out he's got, you know, I didn't know he was the number like nine player. In his recruiting class, not tackle player. He was a five-star recruit. uh So you're talking about a guy with all the the, the measurables, right? It's totally just going to be the intangibles, and they kind of they kind of ate him up, right? I think I was watching the ESPN version, or I don't know which one I was watching, but the potential is there. We've seen the potential in games where he's just shown up and just basically, you know, lambasted his entire side of the O-line. It'll just boil down to. You know, school no longer being a variable. Can he lock in as a pro and do that day in, day out? And I think a third round pick is, think about it. You're drafting a guy who has everything you need. It's just, can you coach the talent out of him? I think it's a win-win. He's probably a guy who left money on the table because he's probably a fringe first rounder if he just you know, is more consistent and disciplined and physical. Mm-hmm. But some NFL franchise is excited to get a 6'6", 325 Pound dude with a ton of potential, long arms, quick feet, you know. So I wouldn't be surprised. And, I, and by the way, I think he went to the Chiefs. Yep. So he yep. went to a situation where he's going to have a, a winning environment, you know, obviously a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and uh, a Sooner uh, at center. So he'll have somebody who can help him uh, and Creed, you know, level up and get better. So good fit for him. Kid got paid. Proud of him. The interlocked OU just shine the brand, the brand a little bit more.
0: Yeah, and still a few players left on the board. By the time you all hear this, they will uh, probably be be gone. Um, maybe a few don't quite make it in today, but Braden Willis still on the board. Eric Gray still on the board. Um, Jalen Redman uh, still on the board as well. And Michael Turk, you know, he was a, a very, very good punter in college. Hunters typically aren't that coveted in the draft and until the later rounds uh but of all those players DeMac, i don't want don't want to ask you where they're going to go because by then it'll probably be dated content but of those four who do you think has the best opportunity to make and stick with a team
1: it's probably willis just because in the nfl athletic tight end types have a lot of opportunities to excel on special teams, right? You're looking at an EG. and If he's not, if, if he can't win in the, you know, in the backfield um, or be a return guy, which you generally don't see a ton of running backs as return guys in the league anymore, mm-hmm. generally DBs and or receivers these days are really just specialists, right? A lot of teams have like a sixth receiver that they'll keep as the specialist. So, you know, running backs are a dime a dozen. He's got the talent situation is going to matter. Turk is a guy, it doesn't matter if he's drafted, he's going to get into somebody's camp and he's going to, I believe he'll probably win a job or kick well enough to somebody will pick him up um, week three of preseason before the season starts. And then you got um, a Redmond man, you know, he's a, he's another Wanye. I'd say, right. He's got second, third round mm-hmm. talent, but the injuries, the mental side, the inconsistencies, Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that he'll get drafted. I think he's a sixth rounder, fifth rounder, just in terms of what the NFL landscape looks like. Um, But man, I don't know his staying power. It's a different game up there, right? I was, uh, I was uh, reading some Tommy Harris wrote yesterday. Tommy had some stuff posted about the draft and when he was drafted and congratulating the guys. And it's just like, yo, Tommy said, when you sign up to play in the NFL, you're a professional. But he noticed that there aren't many professionals. But that means it's a resolving, a revolving door of guys who just want to get paid or be famous. Who come in for a couple of years, make a couple bucks, and they're out of the league. So I think Braden has an opportunity to be a guy who could be a. I mean, listen, Braden could. I, I, you know, obviously this is a crazy um, comparison. But like Kelsey was what a sixth, seventh rounder. Right. Yep. But he had some athleticism. He had solid hands. He was competitive. And he got in the right system with the right quarterback. Let's not fool ourselves. Kelsey is not just a generational talent. He got into the perfect situation for a skill set. Braden, Braden absolutely could do that. Braden could be on punt protection. Braden could be on field goal protection. Braden could be on kickoff. Right? Braden could be on kickoff return. So that tight end linebacker position, the six-three. 240, 250 and can run and 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 be agile is one that team's covet and then of course they obviously would you know like to see if they could grow him and room him into a an every down player sometime down the road sign me up for Braden just by virtue of his skill set mixed with how his position is featured in the NFL yeah
0: and and just another thought you know and, and we'll uh move on to some future sooner talk, but at the end of the day man, the the teams that are winning playoff games and competing for national championships are the teams getting the guys taken very high off the board and and having a lot of guys go in the draft. So so it, the, the the coaching piece at each school is very very important man, but if you want to compete at that high level, which is what OU is trying to do, you got to keep bringing in more PJs, more guys who are not fringe first round guys, but top 10 guys, right? You go back to 2009 or 10 when it was Bradford, McCoy, Williams, just kind of all right off the board. And what was that Sooner team? They were historically great and Gresham. They were a historically great team. You go back even to when, when you played and just right after, right? Teams competing for national championships, having legit opportunities to play with the best teams in the country. And beat those teams at times, right? And you guys beat Florida State. A lot of those players later on went down the road to get drafted, right? We've talked about how many players were all Americans on that team, uh, maybe yep. in like the first or second episode. But talent, Jimmys and Joes, as Barry Switzer would say, 100% matters. And, uh, and speaking of Jimmys and Joes, OU adds a couple Jimmys and Joes in a uh, Zion Kearney wide receiver, and uh, Jaden Hardy uh, at safety, Zion Kearney, I talked a bit uh, a bit about him on three sixty. Fast, long, about six, two and a half, six, three, has some good weight on him already. Great uh, proportions in terms of of limb length. He's not that kind of a uh, r- really kind of lumbersome six three that you see at receiver, kind of that lanky guy. He's a little more controlled, a little more polished. Uh, Jaden Hardy, safety, 5'11", 170, just another physical player when you turn on the film. Uh, well, what do you think about these guys that OU recently added, Mac? Yeah, I look at Kearney and I'm, I I get excited. You know, I loved Brown last last
1: class. I think he's a guy who was going to provide us uh, just a different body type. And Kearney's in that same uh, mold. Kearney just plays um, high caliber ball, right? So we know he's coming, having played in the state of Texas. Um, there's big boy ball there. We know he's gotten good coaching. We know, you know, that he's going to come with a little polish that we can expect him to, be. I anticipate he'll be a guy who, um, is going to have an opportunity to not have to redshirt. right? I look comparison wise, and I've heard people say the comparisons, my comparison is AJ green. To me, if you go back to college version of AJ Green and what he was able to do at Georgia and be a guy who could catch a hitch and take it to the house and be a guy who could beat you on a double move and be a guy who could out athlete the DB chasing him with head fakes and and shoulder moves and wiggle, right? Like to be a big guy and possess wiggle and quickness in and out of your cuts, it's a very coveted, 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 coveted skill set. And they frankly just don't make a lot of guys. Usually the bigger guys are more of like they run drag routes or they'll just run a fade route, right? They're not going to run a ton of double moves because they can't get out their hips quick enough. He's got a lot of fluidity through his hips. Um, there have been some, some, and you will speak more to this, but there's been some rumors about how fast he is. I think he's for sure a 4'4 guy. I think uh, one of the guys was saying he clocked his first 100. His first 100 at of 10A9, my very best 100. Uh, by the way, Barry, my very best 100 was a 10 9 the very fastest. Granted, I do have to say a caveat. Here's my caveat. Here's my caveat. All of my track scores are junior year because I tore my ACL football season of my senior year. I oh, believe I was a 48. Ahead. I believe I was a 48 triple jumper. I jumped 46-4 as a junior. I ran 10-8-9 as a junior. Uh, like a 10-7 split into four by one. And I did all that, you know, I didn't I didn't have a senior year because I tore my ACL, but um, this kid runs 10-8 his first track meet. That just means if he were to if he were to focus on track, he's probably a 10-6 guy, which is you know, football speed, you're you're blowing by guys. So kudos to the coaching staff. Obviously, Emmett Jones putting some skins on the wall. Coach Jones, salute that I-20 corridor. He he's standing in that little, that, that lane. Uh, potential starter, potential all conference caliber player. Again. We've had some of the taller, linkier guys, a la Gibson, a la Anderson, and Anderson's got some meat to him, but I think I think Kearney and Brown are both guys who will be like bigger running backs, which is uh and it's an uh, you know, LSU typically has these type of receivers. Oh, miss, right? You got you got Metcalf and 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 you their own Brown, like this caliber, again, the Georgias, the Bamas. OU is getting those kind of guys. And I think he's going to be a difference maker. Defense inside of the ball, young man also from Texas. I, I, I know he says he's 170. He doesn't look 170 to me. He's put together well. He plays well coming forward. To me, he looks like a robbing safety. I don't know that he's a deep center field guy who's going to do a speed turn on the double move or a speed turn when he's on the opposite hash and have to you know catch a, a skinny post on the other hash or something like that. But I think he's a guy to line up at 12, come down into the box, line up over the slot, you know, play good in that whole area, uh, and be it just again a contributor, uh, an individual who has the potential to be like a Pearson, right? When I, I watch his front, it's actually a pretty good comp for him. Mm-hmm. He Play's physical, man. He likes to hit, he likes going forward. He he moves with aggression. I like his change of direction. I just don't know his flat out speed. I don't know again if he can speed turn and run with somebody on a scene or a post where you know the, the corner is giving up the inside leverage and he's gotta be the double team so for me it's all about what i see and the consistent thing i think we, you know it's funny we talked about this at the very beginning when bb first came is ball players remember remember how adamant i was yeah. about it? like damn i turn on the film and see ball like now i expect it when we watch film and are and are able to really digest these players there isn't a bunch of Bambies running around like, oh, the potential is high, but, the, you know, the actual framework is very raw. These guys are people who, with a year in the system or even half a year in the system, they look like dudes who could come in and be uh, contributors and or starters, a la Jose and Wagner, a la Peyton Bowen. Right. You see Jackson Arnold coming in and he's already making waves. Right. Like we're seeing Sanders. Right. Sanders is, is puppy. He's in the mix. So I think that it also is partly because we don't, we lack depth. So there, there are positions for guys to take, but they're not, they're not backing up, you know, the, the, the mainstays and the returners with green guys. These are football players and both of our recruits look like guys to me who are going to be uh, for sure going to be contributors. And I think, I think Kearney could be a guy who could be all conference, all American, depending on, where OU is and how healthy he stays and how locked in he is. What are your yeah, thoughts, I'm, brother?
0: Yeah, well, we've talked about it a bunch, man, but just the the physicality of the defensive players that they are bringing in. Um, it, it's It's the same now when you put on the tape, right? That there's some consistent traits that you see with guys. You don't see cornerbacks who, you know, in high school are essentially kind of closing down one side of the field, but they never stick their nose in the run game, uh that the, they don't, you know, make physical hits, that they're more or less de- doing the arm tackle stuff. You don't see that with the current players that OU is going after on the de- defensive side of the ball. OU has some athletic rangy guys, they probably need to keep up in the amount of guys who can, you know, maybe get down there and fit the box. Um, obviously Reggie Pearson, he's going to be done after this season. So you're going to need guys who can step in and fill that role of being that physical, bring it to you safety while you have guys like, like, um, Bowen and, and Billy Bowman, who's probably, he'll, he'll be done as a sooner here pretty quick as well. Um, you need physicality uh, along with the, the athletic traits and, and CNOU have a consistent Sort of archetype or profile that they're going after uh, gives you some hope for what they're going to be in the future. You know, when they rolled out there in the spring game, seeing the body types that were on the field in the secondary in particular, and I talked about this a little bit on the uh, 360 round table, those guys look like they were carved right out of the 08 team Clemson team, right? Just lengthy physical defensive backs that every time you turned on the tape at Clemson, that's what struck you was. These guys don't miss tackles. They're very, very physical, and they have some athleticism to their game. You know, same thing on Kearney, just kind of echo you know, what what you said. Speed, a really good wiggle, that there are as many plays where he's just kind of catching a go ball and outrunning guys. He has multiple plays where he's shifty at the line of scrimmage, where where he's running a nice route, where he's going across the middle, where he's catching a bubble and taking it to the house. He's got quite a bit of that, and that's what you wanted to see. I, I said Terrace Marshall from LSU, just in terms of the uh, the speed and who he was coming out of high school. And anytime you have a Louisiana guy, you know they're always going to be fast. Um, just, just for whatever reason, man, what I don't know if it's the water or the food or whatever, those guys are fast. Florida and Louisiana produces some guys, but. Uh, just to uh, give them their respective due in terms of the high school, where they're from. I know that um, Hardy spent a little bit of time at IMG, but out of Louisville, Texas, and then Kearney um, out of Missouri City, Texas. Uh, but moving on, DMACC, uh OU, as they bring these guys in in this following recruiting class, they have a few guys departing, right? Uh, we just saw the news yesterday of Damon Harmon, uh, Jamarian Burt. Also, on the uh, list of guys who we assume will portal out. Now, just because they go into the portal, fans know this, or hopefully should by now, doesn't mean it is a 100% certainty that they leave. However, more often than not, once you put your name in the hat, typically those guys will depart. Um, Maybe you don't have to go into specifics on each of the players. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on. Spring has concluded. Does that mean that these guys just kind of gave it their their best, their best shot, kind of that final gasp of "Let me see what I can do," and then let me see where this staff views my role being? Is it that, or is it you know maybe a layer of "I just don't think I can make it here at Oklahoma"? Um, maybe it's you know stuff that's happened where the staff sees me one way and I can't change their mind. Uh well, what are your thoughts on the the post-spring portal entries? Yeah,
1: you know, it's interesting, right? Because the timing to me is intentional and uh for me it's a business decision, right? At the end of the season, generally there's emotions involved. I didn't get enough playing time or they whatever, I this, that, or the other. Guys who leave after spring. Generally, it is a business decision, right? They, they, they could have been more team guys. They could have been more guys on the cusp of, on the bubble type guys. But remember, I told you this, uh, I think it was the last, the last episode. Spring is also the time when the puppies get to show what they can do, right? So when you're in season, I'm just telling you, the ones and the twos are on the field on offense and the one and the twos in the field on defense, and then the puppies are a look team. So if I'm a one or a two receiver, I don't see the puppies because they're on the look team for the defense. So my look team puppies were Mark Clayton,
0: hmm.
1: Brandon Jones, Will Peoples, Antonio, Antonio Perkins, right? Like those guys were over there. And of course, Roy's my roommate. So Roy's like, bruh, Mark Clayton is cooking. I'm like, Mark Clayton, dude who tore his peck, lifting hundred pounds? Like, really? Like, back, he's <laughs> cooking, Right and Willie P Willie P was the young ex Willie P over there getting it so back to your question if I'm a cusp two guy and I'm like okay season's ending Mims left check right uh you know whatever whatever senior receivers moved out check like I'm gonna get a chance come spring The the you know natural progression says I'm gonna move up I'm gonna be the 1b right I'm gonna be the guy who's at least splitting one one series every three maybe one every every other series you know depending on where things shake out and then boom, spring comes. Right. And then all of a sudden, here you go. Freeman's killing. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, you, you've got all these Gibson and Anderson are, are now in a, in, a, in a, you know, more prominent position, right? Some of the transfers or portal orders from last year, right. are in a more prominent position coaches like, Hey, you get into those lines, the stretch lines, and there's 13 receivers. Like, bro, how are there 13 receivers? It's spring. It's because those puppies, so I always look at this, or I wouldn't say always, I have looked at this portal uh, time as a space where people are making business decisions. If I don't portal now, I'll probably be in the same position next year, right? So you see a guy like Bert, here's what that tells me. When Burton and Harmon jump in the portal, it's because we've got young guys making waves. Burton and Harmon don't jump in the portal if we're only, you know, uh, PB and, and and Billy Bowen Away from an injury, right? Harrington's kind of a cheetah. I'm sure he could, in a pickle, go back and help out at safety, but he's not practicing safety right now, so that probably wouldn't be the smartest thing. Uh, you know, Key Lawrence is back there, which I'm sure they feel good about him being quality depth, experience depth. You know, but like Burden, Harmon, are guys who in the spring they should be fighting for. You know, one B caliber spots for them to both be portaling means. There's depth and guys that are the coaches feel good about ahead of them. Remember, Coach Vendable said it right at the end of the spring game. He said, I'm going to spend the next few days doing what? Personal meetings with every player. Mm -hmm. So they're having those honest conversations right now. Now, it's interesting to me that Harmon portaled out because Harmon is a guy that they thought could provide some help at corner. But I do think that's a position group that is filling up quickly with talented guys. They love Gentry. Josiah came and showed out Woody's the old guy right who's killing it they believe regardless of how we feel they believe Roe is the prototypical guy and if he gets healthy he's a corner that can be a shutdown big guy a la very similar to the kid at K-State who if you remember two years ago was kind of a a Bambi he was a deer in the headlights now I believe he got drafted in the second round he got drafted I believe second round he, he got drafted yesterday or if not the first round so there is depth there and they're recruiting more quality corners now. So maybe Harmon's like, ah, do I stick around here and believe that I have a shot versus do I go to a, who knows, right? Wherever he, wherever he lands, I'm sure he'll land on his feet because he's got some pretty quality film. He, he doesn't, have, I mean, you know, he, he's got some game film. So nice. somebody's going to pick him up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got someone's going to, whether it's a, he could end up at an Arky or he could mm-hmm. end up at a Stephen F. Austin, right. For that's kind of like the, 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 you know, the hierarchy of places that he has an p- opportunity to go, but I'm sure the kid wants to be. So I, I, I don't hate the kids that leave during this season. I actually think it provides clarity to us, those that are paying t- t- attention to the program. Uh, but there are going to be some, you know, just weird situations too. a kid got into a fight with a coach or something, you know, the, the outlier situation will be um, an outlier situation.
0: Yeah. And, and those are often the ones where, you know, we look up one day and we're like, is he transferring? What's the deal with that? That That's not the the play on the field or the lack thereof. And then of course the other two that I didn't mention uh, that were a little bit earlier, uh, Corey Roberson, we, we know has transferred out and then, uh, or put his name in the portal. And then Jaden Davis is the other one. So what that means essentially is that, that there, there's some talent back there and guys are just getting overtaken man um can i say something well, about quick. Can go ahead quick? go ahead
1: he wasn't good enough to be a starter at ou by the way he probably will never hear this maybe his uncle cousin brother friend who knows the truth is the truth like he wasn't good enough to be a starter at ou and and and, and i believe he knew that and i i'm sure people are saying he was at miami and they're courting him he, he went to a big time high school program so i think it's smart to recruit him i think he went to uh San Aquinas, he's a San Aquinas kid, I believe. So that's smart for them. He's a Florida kid as well, right? So going back home, hopefully that helps him. But he can't he's gonna have a tough time uh growing three inches, his arms getting three inches longer and running two tenths faster in the 40. Those are his biggest issues. The, The the program, the program did not push him out. He was a he was in the ones group, meaning a guy who's gonna get some, you know, some some snaps. But in the grand scheme of things, his physical traits and his intangibles just didn't put him in a position to be like if he's if we're rolling him out there against Georgia or Bama or, you know, or, you know, somebody who's going to have a stud receiver, a Kearney two, three years from now, a Brown two, three years from now, a Petaway, he's just not going to be able to keep up. And so salute to him for making a again, business decision for him. I think the program is is. They hate to see him go, but understand why he's leaving. But it's exactly what you said, too. We got other guys. Gentry can run. Josiah can run, right? Colby is a guy who has versatility and is physical. So, yeah, you know, guys like that. um, I think that's when the portal works for everybody, because I also think he lands on his feet. But we got to make sure as Sooner fans, we don't uh, pacify. And or water down what what this means. OU is a very special place, and, and you got to earn that spot. And you might be the best today, but they're going to go. They recruited Mark Clayton because I, I I wasn't a superstar. I'll never like be like I was. No, no, I was a team guy. I was tough. I was smart as hell. If you throw the ball, I'ma catch it. I caught fifty balls and five touchdowns in two seasons. I was healthy two seasons, so I wasn't a slappy, right? But we had to go get better at the position, and I respect that. I believe if I don't get hurt, I'm competing because I ain't no punk. But, like, I think people like their favorites or a team. You know, Mm. David Guaybu is another guy. Like, he's not a starter at OU. Like, I don't not like the guy. He's just not a – that's an SMU guy. Man, that's a Tulsa guy. At, At backer, he's a Tulsa backer, which is why we beat them by 50 every time we play them. Like, I think we can't have it both ways. Are we a blue bud? Or are we a philanthropy? Which one is it? You know what I'm saying? Because if we're a blue blood, we got to be, we got to keep it a buck about who's what. And Jaden Davis at 5'10", 183 pounds with 27, 28, 29 inch arms, right? He benches 225 eight times or runs a 461. We're not winning a natty with him, right? We saw what happened to Barnes when we played um, Alabama. Right, We saw what happened with 25 when we played LSU. What did they do? They, they literally isolated him and scored like four touchdowns with the guy he was guarding. So we got to get past that. It's not personal. It's a billion-dollar game we're playing. But I wanted to speak to Jaden since you brought him up because I think he's a good guy. I liked him. First couple of seasons, he had some picks as a young pup. He was a guy who came in and showed a little fervor, which is, which is solid, but like, it's over and up. So, and, and, and we got to continue to strive to bring in more gentries, right? Uh, who's six foot, 10-5, 10-6 guys versus, you know, the guys that, that people were so adamant about. Like, why you want to fight me over? I don't, I don't hate David Guaybu. I just mm-hmm. think he's not good enough to start a middle linebacker for OU. And, and, and I tell you what, it looks to me like those Venables agreed at the end of the season. So Man, So there's I'm- that.
0: I am so glad you brought this up because I, I caught heat a while back. I don't even remember what player it was, but o, OU Twitter got really, really upset because I essentially called a guy out on, on his, his speed, on what his, uh, his 40 was, and I was like, I, I don't, I just, I, I questioned it just a little bit. And what you touch on is like playing high level D1 football is not a right it is not something that because you're ranked here or because guys see you like this or because you step foot on the program and they did offer you a scholarship, it is a privilege and an opportunity. And, and maybe if people aren't subjected to real conversations like this, because you know, in what I do, there are times where I have to have a real conversation with someone where it is you may think you're a D1 softball player all the way up to your junior season, because nobody's told you hey there's probably not an opportunity for you there but you can get your school still paid for you're probably going to be D2 D3 and that is a real conversation that you sometimes have to have with kids or maybe go juco or maybe it, not everyone is cut out to play at that level it's like so so you can't play football with the one of the top programs in the country like no but you can play at all of these other places still make your life a success Still be a good player. Still have your family come see you play. You know, still represent your team really well. And sooner nation is still going to you know, treat you with with respect, and they're still going to be awesome to you because you played for Oklahoma. And but this idea that you know you can't be critical of that or that that's an issue. You know, it it just seems silly to me because the Oklahoma should be the top athletes in high school football going and then. It is of those athletes that the, the cream of the crop there are, are who plays on Saturday. And this idea that you've got to you know, be nice about things or, or there's a difference between being respectful and, then, and just being a, a jackwad, right? Just, just being mean and just because you you know might question something or be critical does not mean that it is coming from a place of hatred or malice it's just being honest man you know and if you aren't subject to that it's it's kind of a different world cuz i don't view it that way i just view it as it's black or white you can either do it or you can't and if you can't do it, then you can't do it. Move on and find your lane because there is 100% a lane for you. There's something special about everybody. You just got to figure out what it is and where you fit. And it, Oklahoma just might not be your fit. Um, but, but speaking of fit, I, I think we might be able to expect a few more portals before the year is done. Maybe it isn't because of the summer that's about to uh, be cast upon. The, the the Sooners, right? Uh, but we'll touch on it a little bit, man, before we uh, get out of here today. But finishing with winter, right? That they laid the the groundwork for what to expect, especially the young guys. Got into spring, things probably tapered off towards the spring game, um, and then now a little bit of recovery mode before the guys get back to campus um, this summer and hit the ground running. Uh, just you speaking to the players who have not been through it yet. And yes, a lot has changed since you played, but, but as much as things change, they also stay the same and the, the guy running it, still the same guy running it. What can some of these young Sooners who haven't been through it expect this summer DMAC? You want the good, the bad, or the ugly? Which you one you want those, first? Those, uh... Let's do the good first. The good first Let's is do your, the good first. your body's going to look
1: totally different at the end of summer. Every year, my body looked different at the end of summer, which was cool. APAC is going to be banging the little side things, which I I, oh, wish yeah? I, I only dream of having these days. Those is going to be popping. All of this is going to be popping. You're going to be popping. You're going to be popping. So the good part is like, you're like summer is designed literally to maximize your body to play football. Like, like fall, excuse me, like 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 winter, you might need to be putting on weight, so you're doing something a little different. winter, you might need to be cutting weight, right, so like you're you're doing things to to ch- change your body dramatically, you know they probably don't do it anymore, but you're you're wearing a trash bag or you're on the 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 uh the stairmaster three days a week, right like there's there's all these kind of you know kind of getting your body prepared, right, and then spring, they're not even tripping they, they don't even care, you lift like it's off season during spring. Because spring is designed to just put you through the the ringer, right? There's no game to play, so it's not like you got 60 minutes to potentially get hurt. Summer, summer is all about refining and pushing limits. Like every week in summer, your time changes every week. Now the part of the good, and I guess it's kind of as bad too, but like at the first two weeks of summer, feel real easy. The lifting is going to kill you. The lifting is going to kill you. You're sore as hell. Oh my God, we used to, I used to be so sore I couldn't move. Like, we would be like, like all of us, even our second summer, Barry, our second summer, like, yo, we know what's coming. We're like this, right? But by week three, week four, lifting becomes like lifting is kind of like eating your spinach and your Popeye. Like, you mm-hmm. feel it, like, yo, last week I had 225 for, you know, four reps. This week I got 230 for five reps you know what i'm saying and you like i'm hitting it like yo it's more weight more reps what's going on right like so you you're starting to be like okay in the weight room you're like bad let's get it but on that track on that sled on the ramps uh uh in the, on in the stadium man it's death every day Ooh. it's death every day buried every every Okay, so here were the let me just tell you the four staples. And and by the way, I asked. We had like seven staples, they still use four. So our staples that we had was number one, the duck pond. There was a there was a gradual hill. It was, it was, it was that hill is infamous. The great Josh Hypel, God rest his soul, died on that hill. The great Rocky Kalmus, God rest his soul, died on that hill. The great Torrance Marshall, God rest his soul, died on that hill. The great Quentin Griffin. God rest his soul, died on that hill. The great Mark Clayton, I could go down the list. That hill, that hill by itself is hard. Schmitty would bring us out there Friday morning sometimes during the summer and say, hey, we're just going to get a morning run and then you guys are good for the weekend and kill you. But the hill with sleds, I'm just telling you, it was undefeated. It was undefeated. It was undefeated. So hill hill was legendary, duck pond, okay? Ramps, legendary. The old, uh, what is that? The west side of the stadium. I don't even know if the ramps look the same because I never sit on that side. But those ramps from bottom to top. Uh, the, the track guys, worst booty lock I ever got. Worse than running a quarter. Worse than running 300s. The worst booty lock I've ever got in my, in my life. And people are like, what the hell is that? You're using so much glutes to go up those mm-hmm. inclines. You get to the top and you're, you can't move. Like you're, you're, your ass is like totally clenched and you're like, ah, like it's like a cramp. Barry, you know what I'm talking about. Yep, ramps, six trippers. If 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 the hill, if the duck pond was was a demon, six trippers were the devil. It's the worst workout in OU. By the way, I the only person, the only person I've ever seen make every single six tripper time in my entire career at at OU was a track guy named Moses Washington, and he was a national competitor at the 800. We had a guy on oh. our team named Mike Jackson, who was a quarter-miler. You would think a quarter-miler, like quarter-miler. Yeah. No, 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 no. Mike Jackson got his ass whooped the first time he did it. The only guy I have ever seen, him, uh, Andre Wolfo got, like, Dre was like, Mac, I don't know. And I'm like, yo, if Dre can't do it, I'm like, this is, like, <laughs> it? <laughs> those six trippers, by the way, they still do them but it's, it's different now. Smitty's, Smitty's way nicer. He doesn't do it how he does. It. So you got, you got the hill, you got ramps, you got trippers, you got the track, track workouts were always cool with us. You got COD bags, just, just a, a circuit, a circuit, which were, you know, we would kill those alignment. Hated that stuff, of course. Um, and then the other two was the sand pit. Um, I'll never forget B one time. We're in the sand pit and it literally just like a flash flood with lightning. Schmidty was like, Schmidty was like, we're staying. <laughs> Scott McDonald had to be like a uh, Scott Anderson, excuse me. Scott Anderson was like, uh, Schmidty, like we've we got to get the guys out of here. Schmidty was like, you could see it in his face how pissed off he was because he oh, wanted God. us to stay on that damn to stay in that damn pit. But he was like, dude, it's raining and lightning. I'm not staying out here. I'm not gonna have the guys stay out here. We were like, hell yeah, hell yeah. We had to come back though. We had to come back and start from start over so i think Schmidt kind of took it out on us because we were like more than halfway done we had to literally start over from the beginning which was kind of messed up and then last but not least bungees is bungee still a thing barry because they don't do bungees anymore are bungees still a thing just kind of like yeah. the overspeed right you know yeah was so
0: yeah so but, you'll do um i mean they would still do overspeed but you'll do sleds for a lot longer. You'll do strength work for a lot longer. Then might, you might do overspeed work for like your final two weeks or something like that. Like if you were going to program it out, but it's not necessarily something that you do like, like every day. Like I use it for, um, or the, the concept for like vertical jump improvement, decrease ground contact time. So yeah, it's still a thing, but I would say they're probably leaning heavier on, like sleds and, and strength work, um, yep. Yep. And, then, and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're still you're still definitely using uh, using bungees. So they don't as much. They, we did it at least once or twice a week, especially towards the
1: end. Towards the end, it was twice a week. First half, it was like once a week. Um, and then I guess you would say stadiums. Stadiums are easy. A little, little bit of booty log, but stadiums are man. We, we we stadiums. We dominated the track. We dominated the track. Times were just hard. If you were slow. And you were in trouble because those track times were designed to get you to run fast but gaspers were easy we we learned how to master gaspers the six trippers really got us The six tripper guys is a hundred yards hand to the line six times a minute and 50 seconds so you got a minute and 50 seconds to run 100 yards it's it, it, if you don't sprint the first three you won't make it because by the time you get to the fourth or fifth one The act of changing directions, touching the ground, sinking your hips, standing back up, and then like exploding out and not wasting three steps to pick up speed is all the difference in the world. First one's generally easy. By the time you're to three, you literally like it literally tell you your body is like you can't do. You're thinking about the fourth one while you're running the third one and you're like mentally quitting. It, It was it was the most mental workout we ever did even over and beyond the sleds because the sleds was just hard as hell it was just hard from the whistle to getting to the top and and you know that whole thing is an incline you know pulling 80 pounds 100 pound however whatever, whatever weight lifting group you're in if you got stronger and faster it got easier the six trippers never really got easier they were just like yo can you mentally take your mind to another place and run these four or six trippers in a minute and 45 or a minute and 50 seconds That's what those guys have in in store for themselves, Barry. And I'm just telling you, by the way, there's no pretty girls on campus. There's very few pretty girls on campus. See, see, see winter school because it's, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're waking up nice and warm, you know, you know, it's cold outside, but it's nice and warm in your bed. If you know what I'm talking about, you got some company, you know, somebody after you get done, you might decide to skip class for the day and, and just rest at the crib. Summer is summer is you lift in the morning, you run afterwards, and then you got like indies. And it's 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 uh it's not mandatory, but it's mandatory. So you go 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 to summer and lift and then run, and then don't do indies. I'm just telling you, you're gonna depth chart gonna show up the next week and you're gonna be third or fourth. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna be like, ah, hey, it's not mandatory. What happened? But it's 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 kind of mandatory. So fun times, 11 weeks. So eight weeks of program, three weeks of prep. Um, generally, they start second week, third week of May. So they've got two weeks off right now where they're chilling, relaxing. Don't get out of shape because you try to kill you. Uh, That's the wishes, man. We had nightmares. Very. To this day, some of the guys, it's been 25 years from here, 23 years, whatever. How many years? I don't know. Guys still
0: have nightmares. Or like to, this, to today. Jeez, man. Two questions. Well, one's a comment. I'm impressed that you knew uh, what overspeed was I'm <laughs> whatever. I'm impressed, man. that's good. that's good. Number two, um when did you guys um so that there's different philosophies on when players should hit their max lifts, right? Should it be just kind of middle of the off season and then taper off? Should it be, you know, uh, uh, right after the season? well what or should it be most commonly right before fall or the season starts when did you guys hit your max lifts you talk about like reps summer you know, Sum- like, uh, reps no ha, ha, like, ha, um, you you can go reps and weight um yeah. i'd be curious to know both of them
1: yeah so again summer is 11 weeks um three weeks of prep stretching getting the ligaments and stuff ready you know hydration all that. and really like getting clear on what your body needs to do first four weeks first four weeks was ramp up first two weeks were always easy we'll be like damn this is easy and then boom week three it hits you in the ass uh, week four five and 6 were all about we we would generally stay very uh, probably the least amount of reps would be like six we'd probably do like you know 15 12 10 Seven, six, six, five, something like that would be like, you know, if we're doing squat day, you know, we might do squats, eight reps, eight sets, a set of 12, a set of 10, a sweat of eight, three sets of seven, a set of six, and a set of five. By week seven and eight, it was generally the week before. We would generally lift our heaviest week seven because week eight, we were prepping for um, uh, maxes. So we gotcha. had to do a bench max, we had to do a squat max, we had to do a clean max, we had to do a snatch max uh, and deadlift. Right? So like all the explosive olympic lifts plus a bench plus a plus a um um
0: squat. I like that interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm sure they still do it almost exactly like that. I'm sh- I'm sure it's pretty close. Um, I was pretty sexy at
1: the Olympic. Yes, I was sexy. I I was. I was. I'm all in on the snatches. I mean, on the uh, that's called a snatch, right? From the ground.
0: Yeah, from the ground ground to overhead. Yep, snatch grip. Yep. Yeah, I've seen too. Just going back watching old school Schmidty videos, like he did. He incorporated a lot of bodybuilding, which is uh, something that not necessarily a ton of coaches do now. Like everybody tries to be functional with it instead of like classic body I'm talking like Arnold Schwarzenegger like lots of reps that stuff works like it, it's not it's not rocket science right 70 60 70% of your max yeah. for 10 to 12 yeah. reps that stuff yeah. still works man and if you're yeah. doing if you're doing that you're you're going to get bigger and stronger and that's where that's how you see guys put put mass on right and p- especially in the like winter if you need a guy start starting to gain weight like that's what you do you eat a lot and you lift like a bodybuilder for the most part. Um, so, good stuff, man. Uh, before we get out of here, I said that I thought the Lakers could beat Memphis, man, and uh, that they got it done. I, I don't have a, um OKC in the playoffs, so I'm uh, living vicariously through the, through the Lakers and the Warriors, okay. man. I love watching the Warriors play, but they couldn't get it done in game six, so now I'm worried, but... Well, well, what about uh, well? What about LA, man? Well, what are your comments? What do you think? If they draw Golden State, I think they I think they have a chance. If they draw Sacramento, I think it will be tough. I think the exact opposite. Let me really? explain why. Okay, go yeah. for it.
1: So here's why: Sacramento is terrible on defense. Sacramento is able to D up on the Warriors because they out athlete them at guard. Sacramento does not have any wing players that can play, and we've got a ton of wing players. So, I i mean, obviously, we got to stop them on defense, and, and when we want to, we clamp down. We clamped down on Memphis the entire game yesterday. We've clamped down on many of the games in the fourth quarter. So, I like our ability to say we're just going to clamp down on defense. We can put Vander, but We can throw five guys at Fox and put him in a position where he's got a longer man on him who can D up. Then we could play small on him too, and put um, you know D'Lo um, or Schroeder on him. Schroeder's a little little crafty, little defender defender as well, mm-hmm. and and you know just keep somebody that can pester him. They're all going to put pressure on him early, but I would rather play Sacramento because again, it's still going to be more pressure for them. They don't have championship pedigree, right? That that's a thing. They they that's have okay. confidence. When I watched the game yesterday, Barry. Fox and Monk were like y'all can't hold me. That was that was the whole swag. Curry and I'm crazy is Clay, right? Clay used to be a 3 and D guy, but Clay is now a shooter, and, you know, and, and solid, but like they didn't they had to put Draymond on him sometimes. Draymond was coming up to the top of the key and and picking up deep. Uh Dray Draymond really Fox.
0: handled him the best. Dr- I mean, Dray right. really, yeah.
1: Right. So but but that ain't that ain't going to work with us. We got a ton of guys that are wing caliber guys that can be a bigger man guarding them. So I like that matchup. They also don't have a true five. So who do you like better, Sabonis or AD? Obviously, when AD shows up, he's going to outclass Sabonis. Um, And and we have multiple guys. Like you put Brian in the post, who's going to guard him? Oof. Like, like, like yeah. you, you put Hachimura in the post, who's going to guard him? You put who's going to, yeah. AD's going to be guarded by Sabonis. Sabonis is going to stay in foul trouble and get neutralized in the hole. So I like Sacramento better than, than, than the Warriors. And I believe we're 3 and 1 against the Warriors this year, but I just yeah. don't like the matchup because they've got, you know, historical all time great shooters and they got championship pedigree. And they can match up against us with um, Draymond and uh, what's buddy's name, 22. Kid from Kansas. Oh,
0: Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins.
1: Wiggins. Yeah. They've got some wings that, that can, you know, they can go throw a couple of guys at LeBron. They can go, you know, uh, well, A D is gonna cook either one. That's why we were three and one against the Warriors too, because the Warriors couldn't stop A D. He was cooking on LeBron um Draymond and cooking on LeBron. So
0: Yeah, that that's my worry if they if they play Golden yeah. State. Is I I just don't know if Golden State has an answer on, on that yeah, side. Yeah. I just really don't. Sure. Neither does Sacramento. And that's man. I'm starting to think LA might be in the Western Conference finals man. Like I it is not out of out of the picture. I think whether it's Sacramento or Golden State, they've got a shot. They they
1: really one, Game do. 1 Game 1 is going to let us know. Game cuz we'll yeah. be rested. So we'll, we'll have that 5 days off which is what we really needed. So game 1 to tell us if our guys can really match up. Looking forward to it. Happy happy for the squad cuz man we sucked the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, what'd you uh the, real quick? We'll do some picks here. I honestly think, man, a, a Denver LA series would be very, very interesting with Jokic and AD. You've got LeBron, you've got you'd have Murray and that, that like that oh, that oh. would be fascinating. That would be a I actually think that would be a pretty competitive series. I like Denver. I think they are a good team, but if you have guys who can who can minimize Aaron Gordon and at least somewhat minimize what Murray can do we've seen Denver when Murray is shut down and they are a first or second round exit right or if they don't have Murray at all last year he
1: was injured and they they were second round exit
0: yeah so so I think that's where they stand I think Phoenix is going to you know, have something to say about that a little bit. I've been, I was, I wasn't surprised to see them beat LA once Kawhi and PG went down. But I, sure. I think just kind of how they did it in the final games was interesting. Who comes out of the East? Who who do you think comes out of that side?
1: I, I think the cream is Boston, man. Those guys are. They right. played well. They won a series. They were supposed to win. Um 76ers and beat his hurt, or you know, he's he's got he's got some injuries that they're working on, and of course Julius. how about the Knicks though? I didn't think the Knicks no. were gonna let Cleveland. I was like, yo. But two good series, man. Philly and Philly and um wait, wait, is it Philly and Boston? It's Philly and yeah. Boston, Philly and
0: Boston, and ah. then the Heat and the Knicks. That's that. so that that's the junior pee-wee game right there. That he yeah, had. yeah, neither of those teams are beating Philly or Boston. Salute
1: or Boston. to uh my boy Jimmy Buckets, who I still can't believe you caught him. Gordon, but I, i'm gonna let him, whatever but uh jimmy bug has put his team on his back but they don't have the depth to pl- the, the class that they're gonna play in this next series whether it's oh. 76ers but probably boston they're gonna be outclassed and outmanned um so i've got boston i it'll probably be boston and philly and I hopefully Embiid is back for that because that's going to be a class of the titans and and in the West, man, I I'm just gonna be excited to watch Denver and, and Phoenix, man. That that is gonna be that's gonna be really legit basketball. Obviously, I'm biased to the Lake Show. Whoever we play, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a fan and cheering for our team. But I would prefer to play Sacramento because I their 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 strength is their guards, and we can we can cover guards. I mean, look, we just we had to cover uh, you know Memphis and them boys them boys don't play no games, so. Uh, Give me, give me, uh, give me Boston, and I, I'm not gonna lie; it's probably gonna be Denver coming out of the West. Probably gonna be Denver. Uh, Phoenix yeah.
0: versus Denver is gonna be a dope series, though. If Denver stays healthy, it is, it is still probably Denver. But it was, yeah. it was interesting. What, yeah, Phoenix kind of once they figured out their rotations, and you know, they were still trying to kind of get things ironed out when when they they were in that first series against, especially that first game against LA. But it's good basketball, man. It's one of the better NBA playoffs that that I remember. It's been very entertaining between the Milwaukee-Miami series, Knicks and Cleveland. You got Golden State and Sacramento still going at it, man. That one's been a classic. Good, good stuff. And uh, good stuff from the Barry and Mac show, man. Good good, (laughs) good job today. Um, Hey, real quick, just to put the message out there, um, here at the uh, dance studio in Tulsa, I won't give a ton of info, but. We're trying to uh, get some girls to uh, New York City uh, to compete for a world championship. So if anybody just feels the urge to reach out and maybe help support this venture this summer, uh, send me a DM or or, or holler at me on Twitter or Instagram or wherever. Um, If you're a business, we'd love to do something for your business. So uh, just let me know. Uh, Dmac, any parting words for Sooner Nation before we get out of here today, man?
1: nah lock in hey let me ask you this for your deal how much how
0: much how much do they need to raise uh to go to new york city anywhere between three to five thousand that that's that's the that's the number what we like to um we usually stay over there in uh like last time we went we stayed in jersey city which was actually pretty cool my favorite restaurant that we were we stayed in um in new york was called or that we went to was called the light rail cafe it was in jersey city like heart of jersey city and it was so cool man it was like a cafe during the day then you went there at night real late it was open till like two in the morning they'd be playing music there was a sweet gym like right down the road it was like a cool little local crossfit gym it was neat man coolest thing one of the coolest places i've, I've stayed at and the new york city was just freaking awesome we did the whole we walked all over that place
1: nyc is a beautiful place man especially in the summertime love going mm-hmm. no nah, i don't got anything man i just hey man appreciate you. you you partner in crime man you're killing it you do a great job uh let's see what these boys do this off season i'll keep my ear to the ground and see what i can come up with and uh man we're gonna, we gonna keep bringing that real. And you guys know how we see the program and the direction it needs to continue
0: to go. Absolutely. Well, Sooner Nation, go leave us a rating and review everywhere you listen to podcasts. Follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. Follow DMac at D underscore Mac 13. And I am at b Fitness at letter B-W-I-S-E Fitness. Thank you all so much for tuning in and we will see you soon.